so cute. All right. Hi, everyone. Uh, we are now live. I'm here live with Kirsten Martin, and I absolutely admire her work. If you haven't checked it out, make sure you go to kirstenmartin.com. And today we have just a variety of topics from running a calm business. Uh, Kirsten is a Squarespace expert. I've been using Squarespace since 2015 for myself, for faceworld.com and dozens of my clients. So I have consulted not directly in person with Kirsten, but I've followed her blog. Uh, transition, so many of you guys have the question about how to move from 7.0 to 7.1. Kirsten has all of those answers. Okay. And uh, before we jump in, I, I'm going to do a, a slightly more official intro. And I'm just so excited to jump in as a conversation today. So Kirsten Martin is a leading Squarespace uh, expert and calm business educator who helps entrepreneurs simplify their business tech. With the all-in-one Squarespace platform, Kirsten also publishes the popular Uli Planner, an analog business planner specifically designed for digital entrepreneurs. As an HSP and empath, uh, Kirsten's approach to teaching and running an online business is calm and gentle with a focus on delivering high-quality content, services, and training. She advocates and practices kindness, integrity, inclusivity. Um, Kirsten is originally from Germany and lives in the Pacific Northwest with her uh, American husband and fluffy gray cat. And so with that said, welcome, Kirsten. I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you, Faye. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, as everyone knows, can tell now I have an accent, you know, I never lost my German accent. So <laughs> is this something that you're embracing now, Kirsten, like oh, in terms of yeah. having a creator with an accent? Um, yeah, so I, mean, I, I always have, actually. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've lived abroad. I moved abroad in my 20s. I lived in England, actually, for 16 years. So mm -hmm. you can still detect a little bit of uh, British sometimes on top of the German and um and i uh yeah I, it's just funny because sometimes people who follow me online and they only see my written content mm -hmm. and then they see me live or hear me on a podcast and it's like oh oh this woman has an accent you know so so they're a little bit surprised sometimes but yeah no i i have no i have no problem with that at all i mean it is what it is right <laughs> so. yeah i mean i as you're talking i realize i actually have a long history with my german friends when i came to the states in 2000 my roommate um is uh, francisca uh i believe she's from berlin and with, you know, having her as a roommate uh, resulted in all the German kids who basically kind of move around my dorm room. And my, as a result, you know, I remember going to, you know, wasn't dating anybody, but the, here comes prom in America. It's like, what is that even? Let's go. And my roommate is like, you're not going alone. Uh, pick any German guy you want. So uh, one was chosen for me uh, and it was a great time. So there was like, a, and over the years, my mom often asked me like, you seem to have a lot of German and British friends. Uh, yeah. So there we I are. That. I love that. Well, and, and we're all, I don't know, you know, we're, we're all connected. I mean, I've always traveled a lot, you know, and I've lived abroad and, mm -hmm. and I, I just kind of love it. You know, I think this is really, it's kind of the way to peace, to be honest, you know, people mm -hmm. need to travel. They need to experience different cultures and, uh, you know, see how other people live and, and, mm -hmm. and connect, you know, I've connected with so many different people over the last few decades, just through much travels, you know, I mean, it's, it's amazing people I wouldn't have normally met otherwise, you know, of course, now with the internet, we meet people too, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's really one of the good things about the internet. So yeah, so I love that you have that German connection. 
Absolutely. And a lot of people wouldn't know this about your origin stories. So, I mean, given right now probably isn't the easiest time to travel, but for people out there, when you can definitely travel safely and consider as part of your, your, your life journey. But Kirsten, you worked as a flight attendant at one point that enabled you to travel and to many parts of the world. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, so when I was younger, I mean, I actually always wanted to travel. I actually wanted to leave Germany. And, uh, you know, I mean, I love Germany. It's my home country. But I don't know, in those days, it was, they were always too German for me. You know, that's the only <laughs> way I can explain it, you know. So I wanted to get out into the world. And uh, so I actually started out just by being uh, an au pair abroad. You know, I moved mm-hmm. to Canada, lived there for three years, moved around, you know, lived in Toronto, Vancouver, Miami. Um, you know, working as an au pair. Then I worked for, for World Fair, for an expo in Canada. And then mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I want to keep traveling. And um, so I thought, well, the best way to do that is to join an airline. <laughs> and uh, so uh, that's that's how I did that, you know. And uh, so I joined Lufthansa and, uh, and flew for a few years. And it was great. Mm-hmm. I loved it because on the flight, which can be a bit boring, I was working. And then when I arrived somewhere, well, I was off. Unlike the business travelers who then had to go work, I was Mm -hmm. off and I could experience and and explore. And uh, so it was a pretty exciting time. And then, of course, it was like before 9-11 and Mm -hmm. before all the like real stressful times, you know, that sometimes people experience with travel um, started. Uh, and, you know, but I continued, you know, so, so I flew for a few years and then I continued working for the airlines in the town office. Uh, I got into technology there, actually. That's where that happened. I worked at Heathrow Airport for a few years as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I was always able to uh, so I continue traveling because I had the concessions. You know, I still miss that. I, I always had like a few tickets in my in my purse, you know, <laughs> that I could just go somewhere if I wanted to, you know. Wow. And, um, and I, I missed the, the spontaneity of it, whereas now I have to like book way in advance and all that, you know, so. Mm. Yeah. What, when did that technology uh, pivot happen? Because I think a lot of the people here uh, would consider people making career transitions as this impossible thing. I mean, everybody's going through the great resignation, uh, you know, period right now. So could you maybe talk about like when you realize that whether it's Squarespace or maybe something before that, you're able to move away from being a flight attendant into something like online digital business. What was that like? Well, when I started working, you know, I mean, obviously this was like a few decades ago, you know, so when I worked at the airport, we obviously had computers there, you know, but with the like old screens, you know, the green on the black background. Yeah. You had to literally learn your commands and all of that, you know, there, there was no like user interface like we have now. And but, it, but I was always interested in that. I always loved it. I mean, first, when we first started using computers, I fully mm-hmm. embraced that. Mm-hmm. So when I was still at Lufthansa, I kind of became the reservation systems expert. You know, so I learned that and uh, became an expert at it. And then an IT company actually headhunted me. Uh, they were also uh, working in travel technology. And uh, so I became a project manager there. Uh, actually for the world's first online reservation system for an airline, which was KLM uh, in those days. And um, Mm -hmm. so so that's how I started to get into technology because I had an interest in it, though. You know, Mm -hmm. I've always loved technology because I'm I'm someone I like to improve processes. I like Mm -hmm. to make things more efficient, more easy. Maybe that's the German in me. You know, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I've always been that way. 
Uh, so I was always learning, you know, now I'm completely self-taught, you know, I never, I'm actually a university dropout. So I never I know that my degree. And um, so, you know, so I'm, I don't, I'm just not an academic learner, you know, I learn by doing and, mm -hmm. uh, and that's basically what I did in all my jobs. You know, I had an interest, I learned, uh, and I always learned enough to do what I want to do, you know, but I didn't go beyond that, you know, and but over the years, I, I just, you know, I had a lot of different jobs. Uh, I think I've always been an entrepreneur at heart, actually. You know, I think that's why I changed career job or jobs so much, you know, and um, because I like to start things to make them better. And then when they're really good, I leave and I look for the next project if you want. And I can relate to that so much. Actually, lately, Kirsten, I've been thinking about the fact that I think people like us are more builders then maybe scalers. And I never really thought about that uh, kind of distinction. And I find it just enormous amount of joy, fulfillment in starting something new, watching it grow. And then until it reaches a certain point, not that I've lost interest, it's like, now I want to move on to the next thing. So um, I wonder how we can maybe relate that to your your business, because it's something, again, I dropped in any, you know, anybody who's watching this is in the description, it's in the comments. Um, I look at your website and it's certainly not one day, one month, one year worth of work. I know I can tell there's a lot of iteration, there are cleanup, there are you know, updates to it constantly. Um, what was it like at the beginning for you when you first started your, your cursormartin.com and published the first few articles? Like what, could you talk about the transformation perhaps even before it became yeah, I mean, in, into business. So I started mm -hmm. actually blogging in 2005, you know, wow. when um, mm -hmm. blogging kind of became a thing. I thought, oh, this is neat, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, so I started with a, with a weight loss blog, you know, because I'm forever trying to lose weight, you know. So that was how I got into blogging. And then that evolved into a blog just about my life, my travels, my moves and all of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I used WordPress initially, and uh, then I discovered Squarespace in 2008, and I really liked it, you know, so I was always redesigning my blogs, you know, mm -hmm. that was like my creative outlet. And, yeah. um, and then in 20, at the end of 2014, we moved from the UK to, uh, to the US. <laughs> and uh, a friend of mine asked me to redesign her business website. And I thought, yeah, okay, I can do that. You know, I'll do it in Squarespace. And um, so I did, and it was a huge success. It actually changed her business overnight. And well, 2014. Um, sales went through the roof, and uh, it really had such an impact. So when we landed here in the Pacific Northwest, you know, originally the idea was that I would find a new job. Um, I thought, well, why don't I become a Squarespace web designer? See, this is the thing, you know, I, 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 I didn't plan this, you know, I didn't plan to start a business in my, let alone in my early 50s, you know, uh, I just have ideas, and then sometimes I act on them. And, mm -hmm. you know, and because of how this happened, I thought, this would be the coolest thing ever, you know, to mm -hmm. become a web designer using, you know, Squarespace, which I love, and uh, being creative, and actually, you know, making that a business, you know, mm -hmm. my, my livelihood. And so that is kind of how it happened. So I certainly didn't know everything at the time, you know, I, but I think I benefited from my, my professional career, you know, from all the different things I've done, you know, having worked in sales and marketing and management and all of that, I mm -hmm. think that enabled me to start up my business fairly quickly. 
um, and to get the information I needed, I formed an LLC pretty quickly. And um, yeah, and then I just, you know, then people kept coming to me, word of mouth is how I started out, you know, and mm. um, so I, and I did that for a few years, um, design websites, you know, I became kind of the local web designer or Squarespace web designer, for instance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I started offering online courses, you know, because um, I actually took someone else's course uh, mm-hmm. about online courses. And I thought, oh, that's neat. And people always ask me, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that in Squarespace? Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, hey, you know, again, why not create a course and see where it goes, you know, and so I did that that was around 2017 when you created the first course, I assume? Uh, 2016, actually, wow. you know, 2016, you know, so I, and then I did both for two years, you know, mm-hmm. so for, for two years, I did both one-on-one web design and mm-hmm. uh, the courses, because of course the courses, you know, didn't immediately replace my web design income, you know, mm-hmm. so, and then at the end of um, 2018, you know, I, I realized, okay, this is too much now. It was getting too much. At that point, I think I had three courses Mm-hmm. And I still had my one-on-one clients and it was too much for one person to handle. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll experiment, you know, so for one year, I'm just going to focus on my courses, not do any uh, one-on-one design and mm-hmm. see how it goes. This is what I always do. I experiment, you know, I always say, well, I think this is a good idea. Let me try it. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't work, you know, I can always go back to web design or I can always figure something else out. Mm-hmm. So it's really a succession of experiments. <laughs> you know, that's how I built my business. A quick question here. This is like, we're getting into like some really juicy stuff, which is a lot of people I know, myself included, we really struggle to make that decision of uh, moving our business completely different into like, to me, working with clients one-on-one versus purely from digital products, courses, and, and other digital products I run and giving up uh, a portion of the income is a pretty hard decision. Uh, and what was it like for you? Like at what point, you know, did you wait until your courses replaced 50% of your income or, or 25% or 120%? I mean, when did you make that decision? So I, you yeah. know, so when I looked at my, my numbers for, the, so this was the end of 2018. So when I looked mm-hmm. at my numbers, uh, I thought, well, it's just enough. You know, I think it was about 50% maybe of what my web, uh, web design income was, you know. Yeah. So I thought, well, this is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I also actually talked to my husband, you know, because we, you know, we're kind of a team, you know. And I yeah. said, this might impact my income. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, he, he, I mean, he always supports anything I do, to be honest, you know. But I mm-hmm. thought, well, you know, we're still a team, you know, so I just want, want him to be aware of this. And um, so, so I just thought, you know, I, I just got to try it, you know, mm-hmm. so it was, it felt a little scary, but it also, to be honest, it felt a little exciting. Yeah. Part of me was actually really excited to, because one-on-one clients, you know, I mean, I love my clients, you know, but it can be energetically quite draining, um, you know, when you like, I think for me, because I'm a, you know, HSP, you know, highly sensitive person mm-hmm. and um, which makes me very good at what I do. But it also means that energy wise, it can be really um, uh, difficult sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to try something that would give me a bit more flexibility from having a schedule where other people depend on what I do, you know. Yeah. And so it really was. Yeah. So I would say I was probably at about 50 percent. Um mm-hmm. And then I gave myself 12 months, 
you know, mm -hmm. so I said, I'll try it now for 12 months for 2019 uh, and just see how it goes. And it was actually amazing because the time that I freed up by not doing one-on-one -on -one projects, yeah. I could fully then uh, invest into my courses. You know, I launched another, a new course and actually 2019 was the best year I'd ha I had. Revenue-wise, energy-wise. Yes, I, that was actually um, my... Well, no, I think my first six-figure year was actually 2018, but 2019 was was even better. Actually, every year success, successively has always been better than the previous year. Wow. You have to break that stream, you know. And so it actually worked out, you mm -hmm. know. And, and I feel, you know, because, yes, it was a risk. Um, and I understand people, you know, um, it's, it's hard sometimes to take a risk, especially if you're self-employed, you know, mm -hmm. and... Um, and you know you're the only person that 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 needs to you know uh, is responsible for everything um but it's definitely you know i think if your heart is in it you know and i love teaching too you know and that's something i used to do in my corporate career as well i used mm -hmm. to give a lot of workshops so i knew it's something i would enjoy yeah and um so for me yeah you know and because i freed up the time you know the saying you know where you put your attention that's where things grow you know, mm, sure. that's really what what happened you know and I've always worked full-time too so I'm not one of those people who launch a course and then sit on the beach and you know enjoy their passive income that that is not how it's ever worked for me you know yeah. I, I I work full-time flexible you know mm -hmm. so I do take time off during the week sometimes I work weekends Mm -hmm. You know, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's important to to say that, you know, that this is has always been a full time job for me. Yeah, no, nothing is truly nothing is 100 percent passive. And it's all relative, requires a lot of active work before you get there. Um, but uh, Kirsten, I want to break it down like on course content creation is something a lot of people are thinking about doing. A couple of my clients right now are actively hiring me to develop their first course, sometimes their second um, and so I, I have a couple of um, kind of verticals or ideas I want to get into. First is how did you test out the course? You know, there's sort of a, like a formula and the theory to it. How did you test out your first couple of courses to make sure people actually want to buy them and actually gain value from them? And second, I, another follow up to that is how did you expose your courses to enough people to make those purchases? Right. Because it's not trivial to replace a full time income working one-on-one -on -one with clients so yeah th those are really really good questions and to be honest at the time I didn't even really think about it that much uh, I didn't I didn't even have a newsletter when I started that when I started <laughs> my first course you know I um, I've always been blogging you know so that was so my SEO was quite good um, and I I don't know at the time everything was so new you know but I mean remember I, I took that course you know mm -hmm. called the inside story by Susanna Conway who mm -hmm. is one of the pioneers of online courses mm -hmm. uh, so I took her course you know where she explains a lot of what she did you know and uh, so I thought okay I can I can do that but I didn't have a huge audience mm -hmm. um, but also, um, remember, I did this for two years in parallel, you know, so I still had my web design income mm -hmm. uh, while I built up my courses, you know. So my mm -hmm. first course, 
I launched it because people kept asking me, how do I do this in Squarespace? So I launched mm -hmm. a web design course, you know, how to create, a, how to build a website in Squarespace. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people who bought it came actually from that, from that course that I was taking, you know, so a lot of the Inside oh. Story students, you know, because we talked about what we were doing. Mm -hmm. um, so probably 90% um, of my first students were from that other course, you know, and, that's and then so word smart. of mouth, you know, and then I also just shared it on, on Facebook and uh, I didn't even use Instagram for business back then. I mean, I still don't really. And mm -hmm. Facebook and then uh, I or in, then I started a newsletter and um, I've always networked a lot. Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, you know, so some people then were sharing it and um and then I, to be honest, I, I know there's a formula for courses, you know, kind of build your audience first, engage their interests, find out what they want, what they need, and then mm -hmm. create something for that. Mm -hmm. I have actually never really done that. Mm. Um, I have, all, I mean, I'm very close to the market. I kind of watch what's going on, you know, and I listen to things. I'm in a lot of groups, you know, mm -hmm. space related groups and, uh, so, and, and then questions that people ask me all the time, mm -hmm. you know, and people, how they respond to blog posts. So kind of, that's how I kind of knew where, where people would be interested in something, you know? So I, um, yeah, so, so that is how I created my other courses, you know, like an advanced design course, mm -hmm. um, a course on, now I've always hosted my courses on Squarespace, uh, which even before we had the membership option, and I had to tweak the system to do that. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, it was not trivial before the member. No, it uh, was not. I had to actually area. do a little Java JavaScript trick to 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 be able to get the flow, you know, for mm -hmm. that. And then I had a course on teaching that. You know, that was one of my most most popular courses on how oh how do you do that? You know, how do you host a course on Squarespace? So I was teaching that, and then I had a course or still have a course on how to become a web designer, basically where I share everything that has um, helped me build a web design business. And that's mm -hmm. a business course, you know, it, it covers legal things, financial things, workflows, software and tools that you use. And uh, I mean, all of those things so that people can get a head start. So I've always kind of had my ear to the mm -hmm. ground. And mm -hmm. then I... And, and also, it's, I teach things that I personally feel also passionate about, you know, where I feel this is something I know really well, you know, that I can do really well. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I'll teach it, you know. So, so it's almost like, you know, um, you build it and they will come. I know that's mm -hmm. not what is recommended generally, but that's mm -hmm. always worked for me because what I was building, mm -hmm. I built with passion, I built with skills you know I mean I knew this is stuff that that I'm good at you know and and they do come you know yeah. and and there's more to that, I think, Kirsten, like what I'm hearing is like you you very intel. I mean, it's one of the smartest thing you go, uh, you know, study a course, and there's a community, and you listen to the community, they have, you know, whether it's 15, not just 15, 20 people, however many, but they knew you from that community. This is not a random 10,000 person Facebook group. So there, there's already built in trust. I, I live through exactly the same with, you know, Dory Clark's community, who's an entrepreneur based in New York. I believe she's in Florida now. Seth Godin, and, you know, who's based in Hastings and Hudson in New York, one of the biggest marketers in the world. After graduating, or not even after, but being, being in that uh, L10BA environment with 
you know, Seth and his students, everybody trusts you, you know, like even though the tuition at the time was $3,000 for four weeks, you make so many friends, they trust you. And I got hired by two people straight away, even before I graduated. So that that's one area. The other one I want to call out for people who are listening is the fact that Kirsten, you have been blogging for a long, long time. So the trust has been there since 2005. Who knows? Maybe one of your weight loss uh, readers could be your future client. But even if it's not, that's not the case from 2014, blogging, following the trends, addressing the market's pain point until you fully launch your course and, you know, in 2016 and nurture until 2018, that is a very strategic approach. That's something I feel like we don't talk about it enough is once you're a content creator and actually paying attention, there are so many insights that you gain on a daily basis. It is very different and opposite from someone who has never written anything, who's never uh, recorded a video out there, and all of a sudden you wake up one day and want to be a course creator. That is actually much harder for yes. you have you have to then go to answer the public, Google Trends to seek advice, and but you haven't really done it yet. I just feel like in a way, reading your blog posts. Kirsten, for instance, every blog post is a course, right? Every blog post is about, again, you know, there's so many examples, but you talk about what it is, long story short, what it is, and bullet points. And so it's all very, very clear to me. Yeah, how to do something. And you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, the blogging has uh, definitely made a big difference, you know, mm -hmm. and I mean, I enjoy blogging, I enjoy sharing knowledge, you know, I I, I enjoy putting those posts together. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and really, my my number one um, um, driver, uh, you know, for for traffic and sales is SEO, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's really, and that's where blogging and also things like YouTube, you know, which I know is what you specialize in, uh, you know, so I, I just recently started uh, a YouTube channel and I'm still very at the beginning of it, you know, still figuring it out. But I can already see traction from that, too, you yeah. know, because then people come to my website. And um, so this is all all helps your SEO. But if you're starting out, you know, so I, I don't know, you know, I don't think. I don't think it will be easy for people who think, oh, I have an idea for a course, but they've not really done much online. Mm -hmm. uh, they maybe come from a, you know, corporate or employment environment. And then mm -hmm. they think, well, now I can go and do this and I'll just follow this formula. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You know? Yeah. So I feel actually the best course of action that I've also witnessed amongst my students is, is really coming from a service environment. Mm -hmm. So you have a service that you provide, you know, and you do that for a few years, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and then you learn something out of that. And then you can transition, you know, into maybe into online courses. That makes it possible to do that with a small audience. I still have a fairly small audience. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, but because of where I come from and because of this background also with the blogging and the SEO, you know, that is how I can still have a six-figure business. Mm -hmm. Only, you know, I mean, only a few thousand people on my mailing list, you know, and and uh, maybe two and a half thousand followers on Instagram, you know, and, and so small audiences, you know. Yeah. And, and Christian, you talk about SEO and a lot of people know generally what it means. Uh, you know, obviously, like we probably follow like Neil Patel, like the king of SEO and all these people. But could you maybe talk a little bit about 
how SEO has worked for you, what do you tend to want to rank for? Like, obviously, Squarespace expert is a very general term. For those of you, this here's like a 30 second crash course for SEO. You can rank for, uh, you know, short tail. Short tail is basically very competitive. There's something called midtail. So short tail will be Squarespace, Squarespace expert, Squarespace design, very general terms. Um, and then longer tails could be things like how to migrate Squarespace from 7.0 to 7.1, which Kirsten's article is like one of the top ones. And it's such a pain point for a lot of us still running on 7.0 with thousands of blog posts. Oh my God. Like I just want to curl up in my, <laughs> in my closet somewhere and just cry thinking about it. So, um, so could you talk about like SEO, like what your strategy is or what did you like stumble? What did you learn over the years? Like trying to rank for something didn't work. And what did you end up ranking for that actually worked? Something like that. Again, I actually never really had a much of a strategy when I started, you know. And, but mm -hmm. I realized one day I, you know, because I always looked at how did people find me, you know. So mm -hmm. like when customers reached out, I always had to have that question, how did you hear about me? You know, that's mm -hmm. something, if you have a contact form, make that a mandatory field in there. How did you hear about Ooh. me? I gotta and, do that. You know, I've always done that. So I eventually realized a lot of people were saying Google. I'm like, oh, really? You know, so I Googled yeah. myself, you know, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm on page one. How did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I kind of um kind of rolled it back, you know, and I looked at everything I did. So obviously you want to optimize your website. So do all of the SEO settings mm -hmm. that are in your website. So if you have WordPress, you use Yoast, you know, and uh, in Squarespace, it's all built in, you know, so there's an SEO section, every blog post, every page has an SEO section, you know, so there are a lot of things you can do on your website to optimize. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to keywords, I, to be honest, I don't overthink it. You know, I, um, I think it's good if you have clarity on what you offer, you know, mm -hmm. like if you're clear on what you do. So in my case, I used to be a Squarespace designer, a Squarespace web designer. So I use those words a lot, you mm -hmm. know, in, in my in my copy on my website because that's what I do you know, or what I did. Um, so have clarity, have clarity about it, like your elevator pitch. Can mm -hmm. you explain, you know, what, what you do in, in, in a couple of sentences mm -hmm. and then build out from that? But I don't know. I, I always say to people, don't overthink it. You know, so when yeah. you write blog posts, yeah, how to blog posts do really well, how to, or five mm -hmm. to do that, 10 tips to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that is always very helpful. And, but you have to build up your, your content and your, mm -hmm. your, your body, your, your, your work, you know, your, your body of work. And uh, it takes time. You know, I think people often get a bit impatient with SEO. Mm -hmm. SEO does take time. But I think the three most important things are really, well, optimize your website. So make sure that's all tight. Um, mm -hmm. Then uh, content, you know, make sure you have good content, helpful content. Mm -hmm. uh, update your content regularly. Google loves that. Mm. Don't worry too much about keywords and stuff. Mm -hmm. Definitely don't do keyword stuffing. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Google is very smart these days. You know, mm -hmm. they pick up naturally written copy and they love naturally written copy. Actually. Yeah, contextually, they understand what it's about before exactly. you're trying to trick Google into thinking it's something yeah. different, right? Exactly. You know, so I feel, you know, so if you just keep it natural, you know, and maybe mm -hmm. have a bit of a formula for your blog posts, as in you know, how to do this, you know, in your title or, you know, 10 mm -hmm. things, 10 steps and, and, and that. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third one is, um, getting high quality inbound links um, mm -hmm. so that other websites link to your website. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so this could be professional bodies, you know, so for instance, therapists have a listing on psychology today, you know, and mm -hmm. um, see if there are like industry, you know, organizations like that. And can you get listed there, for instance, do guest posts on other people's blogs, you know, I mean, that's what I've done as well, or, you know, podcasts and mm -hmm. things that kind of link back to, to your website. And in my case, also, I'm linked to from Squarespace's website, for instance, you know, right. yeah, and you're one of the circle, the expert one of the yeah. circle leaders. And also my courses are actually hosted on, on a page on Squarespace. Amazing. Um, yeah. And, you know, so, so kind of think about that too, you know, this is all part of, I, I call it mingling, you know, mm -hmm. mingle with people, you know, and get these backlinks, but there should be quality backlinks. And between those three things, your website, your content and your mingling, you will build up, you know, good authority uh, and, and that will be very helpful for your SEO. Mm -hmm. you know? Um but it's 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 also quite organic, you know. In my case, like I say, I don't actually stress too much about it, you know. Um, I just keep creating my content and uh, being helpful, you know. Or you know, being helpful is probably the best thing you can do on on your website online, mm -hmm. and um, and then it will it will happen. It will you grow. Know? You're planting yeah. a tree. It's not going to happen next month, or next week. So um, there's so much for people who are on now. We, we're going to get into a little bit of the calm business. I also want to talk about child-free, which is a very sensitive topic, especially for women. Um, probably want to take that segment out and like publish like a clip or something on YouTube. But I, I, before we wrap up the blogging and SEO uh, functions and topics, a quick question, uh, Kirsten, what are your frequency of publishing and how do you how do you define quality, right? Like, do you still publish at least two, three blogs a week, a month? And what is the quality, like, good enough, doesn't need to be perfect? What? How do you measure that? Okay. And again, I don't actually have a publishing schedule for blogging. Um, okay. I'm... <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, I know, I, to be honest, I think if it works for you, if, if it works for you to be that organized, you know, to I, I think po posting one or two blog posts a week is probably a good frequency, you mm -hmm. know, I mm -hmm. tend to be more at two or three a month. Mm -hmm. But that's also because my blog posts tend to be a little longer and more thorough. Mm -hmm. um, right. And so I don't usually just like write them, you know, I mean, I have, I do have a whole list of topics. You, you know? want to write. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but I also am someone I often write spontaneously. So if mm -hmm. I see, okay, this is a question I get a lot, or this is something that I've been dealing with myself, like mm -hmm. the 7.0 to 7.1, I had mm -hmm. to gone through all of that, you know, yeah. and I thought this would be really helpful to share with people, but that was a, you know, it's a pretty thorough post. It has a checklist, you know, so it's not something right. that I just knock out. It can take me two, three days to write yeah. a good blog post like oh. that, you know. Yeah. So I think people, 
need to be realistic about that. If you want to write something really good, make sure you set that time aside. You know, so I try now. Mm -hmm. Wednesdays is my content creation day, you Mm. know, so I, that's usually when I uh, try to write a blog post uh, Mm -hmm. or a newsletter or update my courses. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also will sometimes write at the weekends. I write when I'm inspired. And Mm -hmm. those are usually the blog posts that also do best, you know, when they, you know, so this is what I love though, because I I work to my own schedule. I can Mm -hmm. be that flexible, you know, Mm -hmm. so I often write when I feel inspired to write. Also repurposing, Mm -hmm. I repurpose a lot of blog posts, you know, once you have, few years worth you know then go back and see well is this still relevant can it be updated can it be refreshed and then publish it again that's a lot less work than writing a post from scratch as far as good enough is concerned um yeah I'm fairly thorough you know Mm -hmm. so I um sometimes I have posts that are fairly quick you know Mm -hmm. where I know okay I'm just going to show how to do something especially now that I'm doing YouTube uh, I just do a little video, which is faster than writing it all out. So much um, better for repurposing. I yeah, absolutely love that, you know, and and um, so that's actually changed a little bit, too. But I feel, you know, I know a lot of people can have like a, a mental block when it comes to blogging. Mm-hmm. And I would also say if you absolutely hate blogging, if it's just not your thing, don't do it. Then you need to focus on other things mm-hmm. that uh, can drive traffic to your website or maybe hire someone who can blog for you. Yeah, like um, a ghostwriter where you can become a, like a video creator on YouTube or maybe you can record podcasts, which is audio format that can be transcribed, yeah, you know, exactly, things like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would say, you know, if it's just something you don't enjoy, then don't force it, you know, yeah, and, and but if you do, you know, if you do enjoy writing and you enjoy sharing things, you know, then then just kind of get started and mm-hmm. maybe start with a schedule, you know, do one or two posts a week, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, certainly make that time, you know, and then you start building it up. And then even the thing is, I know many people stress about this. I mean, I see that with newsletters too. Oh, I didn't send my newsletter on Friday like I normally do. And my sh- you know what? Nobody sits there waiting for our <laughs> newsletters or blog posts. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares, really. Nobody yeah. cares when you publish. You yeah. know? So, so, so you can take that stress straight away off yourself. You know? Exactly. Um, it's so true. A lot of people don't want to start podcasts. I mean, I'm all for, sure, get eight to 10 episodes in the bag, get on the schedule. But so many people thinking that they will not be able to achieve that right away. And as a result, don't start their show, don't start their blog. It is so silly. Like, why do we put that pressure on ourselves? It's completely unnecessary, right? They're necessary stress, things that are hard hard to avoid. But there are also like so many unnecessary stress we put on ourselves. We got to absolutely let go. And yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, so... um... But yeah, you know, I definitely, you know, if you have kind of a weekly schedule, you know, definitely make some time for content creation in there. You know, that's always a good idea, I think. Fantastic. Yeah. So I know to respect your time, Kirsten, there there are two areas that I think kind of goes hand in hand. Maybe when it comes to calm business and being child free, I know there is a bit of an overlap in there. I would admit that, you know, my friend Jorge just now told me how he spent Tuesday driving 200 miles 
uh, for his three kids who go to different soccer practices and they're all different ages and the games are all in different locations. So, um, you know, I think about all the time that that time that I have, you have uh, together, we'll create content together. Uh, a lot of parents just don't have that privilege. Um, so I, I would love to uh, kind of probe your idea, your thoughts on calm business and maybe a little bit um also we should kind of get into child free what what should we do <laughs> yeah well you know we can start with that because you you just, just kind of mentioned that and your friend you know who has mm-hmm. the who has the kids and uh now i'm 59 and um I, I, again i think you know there tends to be like the two camps you know the women who don't want children and the women who really want children, you know, and then sometimes they can't have them, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, the fertility and whatever. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle between the two, actually. I never consciously actually said, I don't want children. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I actually always thought I would have children sometime, you know, one day. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I mean, I love kids. I come from a big family, um, but it just never happened for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, so with before I met my husband when I was 42 so before that, in the relationships that I had before that, it didn't happen. But it was also not something that I actively ever pursued. So I never actually said, you know, to a partner, hey, I want to have kids now. Because I always felt if it's meant to happen, it will happen. Right. And it didn't. And I think, you know, my life, I mean, I had always a lot of things going on. I was always moving, always traveling and sure. um, and to me, it was also always actually more important to have a partner. You know, that was always more important than having having a kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so when I met my husband, he, you know, he has a son from his first marriage. Uh, and it was basically too late. I think if we'd met 10 years earlier, we probably would have tried to have, have kids, you know. But mm-hmm. I was already 42 at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I wasn't really that interested in being an older, an older mother, you know. Yeah. And, um, and we have, you know, we also, again, my husband and I, we traveled and moved a lot. For the first 10 years of our marriage, we moved every single year, you know. And um, so I feel, you know, it's, I don't know, are you, I mean, because you, you know, it's a topic of interest to you. So are you childless by choice or um, where does I, it yeah, for you? Yeah, so for me, you know, uh, I, I'm child free. And I, for people who are watching and live, and I don't mind admitting this, I do have uh, fertility issues myself, but something I've known for a while. So this is not like breaking news for me. So I found out about it. Um, I'm friends with a lot of very, very supportive women who, you know, it was really interesting. This came up about five years ago. Several of my friends, oh, within the same six months period, all of us were kind of very entrepreneurial, a lot of travelers, and realized that we might not have kids right away. And they, did, several of them chose to freeze their eggs. I had some question about how advanced the technology is. Would it be, you know, like how, you know, what, what is the uh, the aftermath, the outcome? I wasn't so sure. So I wasn't actively pursuing that, but I was going through like examinations and things I wanted to know about myself. And there's, you know, one issue that came up, which will make it hard for me to get pregnant. And, you know, and then I thought, and there are different options or thinking about like all uh, these are the options you have and you're at a high risk area because of these things. And since then, got us like Kirsten, I kind of just said, okay, what do I want to make my, how, how do I define myself? How do I live my life? Is this something I want to pursue for four or five years, taking all kinds of hormones, putting a part of me 
on, on the sideline and just really focus on this. And I have to admit that I wasn't willing really, I wasn't comfortable or willing to do that. So instead, for people who are watching and we're all being very vulnerable right now, um, is that I, I realized looking back, especially during the pandemic, how many small businesses I was able to help, how many creators, like creative entrepreneurs I got in touch with, sometimes in the middle of the night, sometimes first thing in the morning, worldwide. And it's a beautiful thing. So I kind of asked myself that there's that notion that's ever since I was born, coming from an Asian background to say, I must have kids. Two will be optimal. Maybe, you know, like three, you know, one wouldn't be enough because then they need a friend. There's like all these constructs that this has to be the case till I'm sitting here today, realize that you are reading your blog, women like us, um, we can define our own journey. <laughs> you are incredibly happy and successful. And, and to me, that is really inspiring and um, that I'm happy with my choice. Oh, absolutely. And I'm really, I'm really, really glad to hear that, you know, because I feel, you know, it's, I mean, kids are wonderful, but you know, they, they don't define you though. You know, and, and I feel, you know, I mean, you can still have a very full life and a very mm -hmm. great life, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and just kind of be your own person. And, and, you know, it's, it's, I think it's hard because, you know, you have women out there who say once they have children, oh my gosh, now my life has purpose, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and that was always a little hard, you know, sometimes for me to see, you know, because I thought, well, great so now you're saying my life doesn't have purpose <laughs> because I don't have children you know for whatever reason I don't have children you know right. and so that always felt a little um I don't know insensitive almost you know right. and because even though you know I'm 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 happy with the way things went you know I, I think I would have equally been happy to have kids to be honest you know True. And, um, but, you know, I know where I am now, you know, you know where you are now. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately, you know, I mean, life is so rich, you know, and, and, and people, you know, people matter. I think people mm -hmm. and relationships and all of that, that's, that's what's always been very important to me, you know, so I still have very strong relationships, you know, and friendships. And uh, I'm a godmother, you know, to uh, to two of my friends' uh, daughters, you know, and we're very close. Well, yeah. In a way, I actually kind of love it, you know, because it's really enabled me to have a very um, kind of rich life, you know, mm -hmm. because it has enabled me to travel a lot, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to do things on a whim, you know. So when I make a decision, yeah, hey, I'm going to start a business now, I, I can, you know, because I don't have that responsibility for little ones, you know. Mm -hmm. and so I think, you know, it's uh, every, I, you know, it used to be, like you said, from the coming from the Asian culture and certainly also previous generations in our mm -hmm. Western culture, that's always been the thing, you know, you, you, as a woman, you know, you get married, you have kids, you become a housemaker, you know, and yeah. that is not the case anymore, you know, yeah. and, and, and it really doesn't have to be. And, you know, I think we have so many layers in our society now and so many ways in which we can enrich each other's lives and, and, and lead really, you know, full uh, lives that, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I've certainly come to terms with it. I'm very at peace with it. I enjoy the kids in my life, you know, be it my nephews or my goddaughters. And, um, 
one day we might have a grandkid from my stepson, you know, Um, but also, you know, and and the same for actually for relationships, you know, this whole Mm -hmm. pressure to find the one, to find the big love. Yeah. When I actually met my husband, I was actually set to just become this. <laughs> I was actually, you know, I, I remember I went to this seminar on, oh, how to find love, you know, how to, I don't know, it was really cheesy. Was Tony Robbins. <laughs> yeah, something like that, you yeah. know, and, and they, they, there was an exercise and they asked us, well, you know, write down your like dream day and your dream life with your dream partner. Mm. And I started writing and I didn't write about partner at all. I started writing, I want to have a little cottage in the Cotswolds. I was still living in England at the time. Uh, and I'm going to have a cottage with a cottage garden. I'm going to have seven cats. I'm going to be that woman with the cats, you know. And that was a really happy image to me. And mm. um, so I was actually at a point where I was very happy being single. And um, and that, of course, is then when I met my husband. <laughs> you know, How did you guys meet then? Online, um, online. I was I was doing online dating. I used to run an online dating site. I used to have one, and um, I although I didn't meet him on my site. Um, <laughs> I was a few years. I was actually in the very beginning of the online dating days, um, and this was like in the early two thousands. Right. I, I I did it for like four or five years, um, and mm-hmm. um, so and actually I met him, and this was actually you know my last week that I was going to be online. You know I got this trial invitation. I said, okay, I'll do it <laughs> one more time. I'm so done with this. Yeah. I said that in my profile. I said, you know, I don't really want to be here anymore to be honest. You know, right. but hey, you know, free trial. Let's try. And then he he found me, and uh, he wrote to me. He said, well, I'm glad you're here. You know. Wow. And uh, so we met online. I flew from London to San Francisco for our first date. Wow. And Better be worth it. And it was. Back then, so I could, you know. And uh, and yeah, so we just, uh, and we've been married 17 years now. And Jeez, wow. Yeah. Look so. at that. It's it's something <laughs> really you can't force. And I'm so glad we get to talk about this. Like a woman's life somehow without meaning if it's if she's child free or she's not in a committed love loving relationship uh i think these are a lot of constructs uh that we need to push through break down and i think the the pandemic is is very you know it's such a test for people to test their patience um and their ability to thrive under under such uncertainty and there's a lot of loneliness that we have to manage around, like, yeah. including, frankly, Chris, and I hear a lot of people who are alone who are in a relationship and with yeah. children that they feel really alone. And that was such a new thing to me that I never thought that would be possible. Yeah. Um, but there certainly are also people who are single and, and trying to find themselves in, in relationships during the pandemic. And it's very hard because people are very hesitant to be even thinking about being intimate with each other, going out in public places. And a lot of those situations are inaccessible. So, um, wow, very liberating to talk about this. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I, you know, but I think it's, it's a really, you know, I I think it's, it's, it's important for women to, first of all, don't feel shame or whatever it is that you feel about going a different path, going down a different path, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and, and also look at all the things you can do to still create a, a full, rich life, you know. And mm-hmm. so you will still have friendships and relationships, you know, make those meaningful, make those, you know, bring people into your life that bring you joy, that fill you up. And 
um, and also do things like creativity, you know, find find creativity, you know, like, you know, be that artistic things or, you know, web design in my case or reading, writing. I mean, anything like that. You know, there are so many things that we can do um, just for ourselves, you know, to fill ourselves up um, that I think is, is just we actually live in amazing times where we can do that, you know, True. and uh, so, you know, once I think once you accept the notion that, OK, maybe my path is going to be different, mm -hmm. that's OK. So mm -hmm. what can I now do, you know, to really um, still create this life, you know, mm -hmm. that, that I want, you know, and um, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's so many, you know, possibilities. And I feel like, you know, having my own business now, I never thought I would have my own business in my 50s, you know, or start mm -hmm. a business in my 50s. How beautiful. And, um, you know, but I really feel um, it's funny, like I, I'm in my eighth year now mm -hmm. and um, and a lot of things feel like they're, they're, they're kind of coming together now. And the whole, for instance, also calm business, you know, so that's something I feel very passionate about, you know. So my passion is is um, certainly, you know, there's, there's a creative side with the design and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also a, and that is an overall living uh, philosophy, is, is the calm life, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that is partly about, yes, accepting where you are, you know, accepting, in, in my case, I'm child-free. I like how you call it child-free, you know, I always say child-less, but child-free, you know, yeah. and, um, and uh, you know, but but the whole calm philosophy is is mm -hmm. really something that is, is, it started emerging at the end of last year for me. You know mm -hmm. that this is actually something that we really need. Um, mm -hmm. And you know the whole you know the whole hustle, the hustle culture. Mm -hmm. I really despise the hustle culture. Right, you know? right. And it's so damaging. It's it reminds me of the diet culture and all of those things. You know, mm -hmm. and it's so damaging, uh, especially for women. Yeah, and you know, so calm business is 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 you know there is a tactical, practical side to it. You know, being well organized, mm -hmm. and uh, that's why I love Squarespace because it's my all-in-one platform. It makes mm -hmm. you know, technology very easy and manageable for me. Um, uh, but there is, but it, but it's more than that. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's a philosophy. You know, that is um being authentic and um you know working in alignment with your values mm -hmm. like my question that I always ask myself now is does this feel calm you know mm -hmm. so when I make business decisions I ask myself does this feel calm mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you always will feel calm you know sometimes you have to go through phases that are very stressful to get mm -hmm. to the calm you know mm -hmm. so I'm not saying become chilled out, you know, get your joint out and hey, man, you know, and, uh, <laughs> right. you know that, that's not what this is, you know, and, and as an example, you know, bookkeeping used to really stress me. Oh, my God, for two mm -hmm. years, I was so stressed over bookkeeping. I tried bookkeeping, mm -hmm. didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And I finally decided I'm going to learn QuickBooks online. You know, I'm going okay. to learn this and I'm going to find a way to, to do this with an extension with Squarespace. Mm -hmm. It was a really hard transition because the learning curve was steep, you know, mm -hmm. and I was really stressed for like a month. But now I know how to do it. Then I, I learned it. And now my bookkeeping only takes me minutes, which mm -hmm. used to take me hours and stressful hours, you know. So so there was this, you know, this this period of, you know, stress. 
but mm -hmm. now all I feel is calm you know mm. now I have my calm for my bookkeeping and you know so look at areas in your life that do stress you you know areas that feel overwhelming mm -hmm. and then really think about you know what what can I do so I I mean if I don't if you don't mind you know so I that's mm -hmm. why I created this calm business review which is more of an end of the year thing I mean it's available all year round wow but, I didn't know that you did this this looks this basically is a workbook you know um you can also download it as a as a, as a pdf mm -hmm. um, and it's it's a workbook that you um you know where you look at your marketing your finance your energy drainers um Ooh. i will be and, sure to include a link uh afterward i, I don't think yeah. i included in a resource when we first started that's brilliant um, and, and there's a tracker you know so every month I track things what went well this month where were my mm. finances this month and you know what are my important to do's for next month and you know so it's really looking at you know your technology setup and mm -hmm. uh, your finances a lot of people have put on their their blinders you know for for mm -hmm. finances you know that or they put their head in the in the sand you know mm -hmm. um so this will help you you know uh, and it's entirely free and um this will help you through that, you know, and uh, just to kind of, because it's also about knowing where you are, you know, mm -hmm. knowledge and, 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 and control, you know, to a degree. I can't and wait to experiment with that. That's fantastic. I'm so glad we, we ended not only on the calm business, but also like a workbook people can grab and, and explore. It's all under, I'm going to hide this title now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> No worries, uh, KirstenMartin.com. So we're just about to run over time. And I want to thank Kirsten for joining me today. Such a special conversation. And I'm sure we'll be in touch. Um, if you or anybody watching now have questions about YouTube strategies, please feel free to reach out. If you're a woman going through a, you know, child free or want to find ways to kind of fulfill your lives, I feel like there, there's some blog post opportunities that kind of get in there. And I can't believe I didn't think about writing them before. But this is fantastic, Kirsten. Um, anything, any last minute thoughts before we wrap up today, before we end the live stream? Uh, no, I think we're all good. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much. You know, uh, this, this was wonderful. I really enjoyed this. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to take us offline now. Bye, everyone.